Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix podcast. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. Today, I have a special episode for you. It's longer than 15 minutes, perhaps a meal and not a bite-sized episode, but I'm confident it's a discussion that you'll appreciate in these unusual times. I wanted to share a recording from a conversation I had this past Monday, March 16th, with our full body systems students and grads about COVID-19. Settle in because as I mentioned, this is a longer episode than our usual podcasts. Please note the audio quality might be different than what you're used to with the podcast. And also note that one of the reasons I'm sharing this with you is because I think we all have a great opportunity right now to help thwart the spread of the virus, support those who are concerned or sick, and really fill the gap that is needed in our healthcare system. We need to step in and help the health and medical practitioners that are no doubt overwhelmed by supporting those that do not need medical attention and helping prevent others from needing it going forward. So let's dive in, set some coronavirus context, and start to uncover what we can each influence in order to truly make a difference in this situation. Hello, hopping in the room. I know we're going to have a lot of people here today, so please come in make yourself at home, in your home, and we will get started in just a moment. Love it. So excited that so many of you are here. We are ready to learn and be a collective of change. We are going to have discussions today that I'm hoping will help you and your families and your communities to create some context around what we are all going through. And I'm happy to do more of these as the situation unfolds. You are welcome that we can all get together. Thank you. Thank you for doing the work that you do. So today, what I want to do is just give us a little bit of context, what we are experiencing, and also tell you what we have in the works here at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. And that's going to be unfolding as the week goes on. I'll tell you what we have in place right now. I'm going to take your questions. We already have some coming into the support desk. And I also have a call to action for all of us. So I'm glad you're here. Please do stay with me throughout the hour. We have lots to discuss. I want to put things in context for us. I want to make sure that if you are on Instagram or any social media that you are tuned in to the Functional Nutrition Alliance page, please do tune in. I'm sharing a lot of information there what we can do, how we can think about this. You can repost that. You can share that with others. Please do so that we can start to create more context around that. So I'm putting information there, putting that context there, and then we can share beyond that. I'm also happy to do more of these Q&As as my time allows, as your time allows, and as we learn more. So that's one thing we are doing right away to be able to help with the situation. I want to first take us into the fact that we're in 
a situation of unknowns. And that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And I want to ensure that we address our discomfort and also make sure that you are prepared to help others with their discomfort. So there's some of these unknowns are around location, where is going to be hit hardest? What are we going to do when it does hit hardest? We don't know who yet. We don't know from testing who. We don't know because we don't know how many people can be transmitting the virus that maybe aren't experiencing symptoms. So there's a who aspect to it. And we don't know yet who is most susceptible. Mostly we have an idea that the people who are most susceptible are the elderly or those with comorbidities. And the information that we're hearing so far is that there's likely 80% or more people who are getting the virus but not experiencing symptoms or not experiencing symptoms that are anything worse than a cold or a flu, that their immune system is equipped to be able to handle it. So that's probably going to, that number, that percentage is going to go up. So I did see a question come back in around virulence. How virulent is this virus? And I don't think we know the answer yet. So there's a context in epidemiology called R-naught, N-A-U-G-H-T, or R-0, which helps us to understand how many people will contract the disease from another person. And right now we don't have the full information there, but for context, there are other disease states that are much more contagious. If we look at the measles, for instance, that are not is one to 12 to 18 people. So that means 12 to 18 people can be infected by that one person. Right now, we're seeing that with the coronavirus, that it's really one to 2.4 people, that it's not, uh, it's, it's higher than the flu, which is about one to 1.4 people, but lower than something like the measles and lower than a lot of other epidemics we've had in the past. We're just in the unknown period. So it feels like it's bigger than it is. Also, the social lockdown that is happening is about social and institutional responsibility. So we have to think about our social and institutional responsibility to contain something from spreading. It's less about, oh my God, we're all going to get sick, or if we do, we're all going to die. It's more about how do we actually take the time and the opportunity to learn more. And the countries who have done that the most, like Singapore, are not seeing it spread. We look at Singapore, it's a very clean, very contained culture. And even though the extremes that Hong Kong went to and that Italy's having to go to seem extreme, it's about containment. So we need to make sure that we're looking at social and institutional responsibility that we're taking and also liability. So one of the things I've been sharing is that Gilbert, my son, is being sent home from college. He's on his way home right now. And it's not because there's risk for the college students. They don't seem to be an at-risk population. Neither do the, ch the younger children. Probably the faculty and staff are more at risk. 
but the institution is taking responsibility for liability of containment, right? So those are the things we need to talk about. The other thing I want to make sure that we understand in context is that coronavirus is the virus itself. And it's termed, as I said in my Instagram post, SARS coronavirus 2. And what that means, that it's the SARS aspect, that's the respiratory aspect. It's acute respiratory syndrome. So it's an acute respiratory syndrome, which is why it's taking hold in the lower respiratory system, more in the lungs, right? So it's SARS coronavirus. Corona means it has a crown-like structure, the point. So the center of the virus is an RNA strand. Outside of that is a lipid bilayer. And attached to that bit, lipid bilayer is a pointy spikes like a crown. The virus works by that uh, getting into the system and the crown sticks into our cells. And then it actually, our cells have phagocytosis to eat that. And once it's in there, the RNA attaches to our DNA in order to replicate. It is self-limiting. So that replication is going to be based on the host cells that it goes into. If there is a good immune system, then we are in good shape to be able to deal with that self-limiting exposure. And if not, it takes over. It doesn't take over all our cells, but it can cause a large immune response, which is what's causing the problem. So again, RNA center, fatty lipid bilayer, which is why soap works and washing hands is so important. And then that crown, that is how it sticks into our cells, tricks them, causes phagocytosis, then the RNA connects to the DNA. So the virus itself is not really alive. It doesn't live unless it attaches and tricks through phagocytosis and replicates, right? So it's not gonna live in the air for very long. It lives on harder surfaces more than on cloth or softer surfaces. It does live on the hands for some period of time. That's why we have to be careful what we touch. So that's some of the basics of the meaning of the SARS coronavirus, corona crown virus, Two is because we've seen coronaviruses before. This is not the first time we're seeing a virus with this structure, although it's more similar to some other viruses than it is to the other coronaviruses that we've seen. Is this helpful to understand this context? Because we're going to go into questions, but I want to make sure. Awesome. Okay, so that's the structure that we're seeing. So coronavirus 2, SARS coronavirus 2 is the condition. And what the disease state is, is COVID-19. And COVID stands for coronaviral disease. 19 stands for the year in which it was discovered in December 2019. So just like AIDS is to HIV, COVID-19 is to coronavirus 2. So that's the disease state. So we're all using the right language is COVID-19. Coronavirus is the virus out there. Okay. So that's the context. And again, we're still learning a lot. And what I want to take us into, because we're sitting in the state of unknowns, is my favorite thing for addressing unknowns. And that's a mental model. So 
I'm going to read for a minute from one of my favorite books on mental models. It's called The Great Mental Models, and it's a Farnham Street book. And what he says in the intro is that a mental model allows us to walk around any problem in a three-dimensional way, not having the ability to shift perspective by applying knowledge from multiple disciplines makes us vulnerable. Mistakes can become catastrophes whose effects keep compounding, creating stress and limiting choices. Is this resonating? The more lenses used on a given problem, the more of reality reveals itself. The more of reality we see, the more we understand. And the more we understand, the more we know what to do. So, with that in mind, let's think about the mental models that we have in our toolbox just for a moment. So of course we have the matrix, the functional nutrition matrix, where we look at the story, the soup and the skill. So I kind of just gave you some of that. We looked at the story behind the virus and I'm a big fan for looking at the story and understanding the history. No, this virus is not more virulent than others. And what we need to think about is what are our other histories of pandemics? We have over 100 years ago, the Spanish flu. We have H1N1, which wasn't as deadly as we thought it was, but we took the right precautions. We have SARS, we have MERS. We had things along the way. This isn't the first time that we've been going through this. And the way that it was best addressed in every time through history, even 102 years ago, was by quarantine and isolation so that we stop the spread, right? So we can look back through the story of a pandemic. What does it mean to be a pandemic? Well, an, a pandemic is as bad as an epidemic is in that environment. When there's an epidemic like there was in Wuhan, or we thought there was in Wuhan, everybody in that one area is getting sick. The outbreak is contained. The only reason this is constituted as a pandemic is because it's spread across the globe. It doesn't mean that more people are dying. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It only means that we are seeing it in populations where we didn't think they were connected. It's not contained like an epidemic. It's pan because it is actually spreading across the globe. So understanding the story for me is really helpful. One mental model, right? We have our functional nutrition matrix. Another mental model are our three tiers, our three tiers to epigenetic or nutrition mastery. And we can think about our non-negotiables. We can think about deficiency to sufficiency, and I'm not talking about deficiencies in toilet paper. And we could think about uh, the actually dismantling the dysfunction. So what we need to think about right now is what are the non-negotiables for ourselves, for our families, for our clients, for our communities. So think about that and give yourself a note to think about non-negotiables. Two more mental models. And the beauty of mental models is that they help us solve any issue, any problem. They help us think into the unknowns. And sometimes we need all the mental models. And sometimes one is right to pull out in that instant right? So the next model I want to present to you as useful in this time is the three roots, many branches. So COVID-19 
is a branch. It's not a root. What are our roots? We have the genes, digestion, and inflammation. We don't know the gene makeup of the virus or the people who are most genetically susceptible. We may find that there are people with certain genetic mutations that are more susceptible to the insults of the virus. We don't know that yet, but we do know what helps our genes to act positively, right? We have food, movement, environment, and mindset. So key right now. We know from digestion and our focus on digestion that we are um, able to think about everything that we're doing and putting in our body in that symbiosis where food meets physiology and support the microbial terrain. Even though this isn't a microbial insult, it's viral, the better shored up we are from a microbial perspective, the more we're going to be able to handle the insult. And then most importantly, we have that third route and we need to focus on clearing, calming, enhancing, and modulating. And this is our call to action. And this is what we'll be talking about in our social campaigns. This is what we'll be creating a one sheet on what can be cleared? If somebody is eating sugar or all the packaged food that's off the shelf right now, do you think their immune system is supported or is it thwarted? So we have to think about that. If somebody's not calm in the face of the situation, are they supporting their immune function or not? So these are the things that we need to be thinking about. The last mental model I want to share with you isn't one of my own, but I want you to think about those three mental models. When you find yourself spinning, whether it's with this pandemic or any situation, remember these models are there to help you step back, take a deep breath, and understand what's next, okay? That's what they're there to do. The greatest minds solve problems with mental models, not protocols or how-to sheets. There's no checklist. There's how do I think into this and what can I bring to it? And you are all better equipped to do that than anyone I know. So the fourth mental model I want to share with you is one from Stephen Covey. And if you have pen and paper in front of you, go ahead and get that out. If you are driving or you're in some situation where you can't get that Uh, Just please imagine this. Don't close your eyes if you're driving. But in the center, we have the circle of control. So we have our circle of control. Right now, our control feels pretty uh, imbalanced, right? We feel out of control. Outside of the circle of control, we have our circle of influence. And outside of our circle of influence, we have our circle of concern. So you got that? We have our circle of control, our circle of influence, and our circle of concern. So right now, if you're feeling like you're freaking out or you're talking to people who are freaking out, you're likely sitting in your circle of concern and trying for your circle of control. Does that make sense? So circle of control, circle of concern. 
But what I want us to do is sit in our circle of influence. And I've been making a lot of decisions lately based on where can I step out of my concern and into my influence? How do I sit in my area of influence? So this is something we can do for ourselves as practitioners, but it's also something we can be encouraging each person we speak to, the people we are here to help, to do for themselves. You can't control whether you get COVID-19 or not. You can influence your body's ability to handle it should you get it. That's all we can do. We can't control how big the outbreak is going to be in our town, in our vicinity. We can influence it by making decisions to practice social distancing, to make clear decisions about when we put ourselves out into the world. This is the conversation I have to have with Gilbert, right? You are not susceptible as a 19-year-old healthy male, knock on wood, but you have an influence on the spread or not of this virus. So how do we all exercise from our circle of influence? So those are some mental models I wanted to share with you. I see a lot of questions coming in and I want to open the lines now and bring you on so we can talk about this a little bit more. I know that there's a lot that's going to be, I might not be able to answer every question, both because I'm not an infectious disease uh, epidemiologist of any sort, but also because I do want to make sure we have a call to action in all this and that we're not sitting in panic. So I think you all know how to raise your hands, but we're going to go ahead and put those instructions in the chat. And I'm going to start with Brigitte. Um, Kate or Danae, if you could bring Brigitte on the line. Hi, Brigitte. Hello. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. How are you doing? In this yes, all this I craziness? am fine. You know, I'm in Switzerland, so we're about to shut down everything here. Yes. And the stores are empty and things are going really crazy. But uh, Swiss people still have like a, a calm way of doing things. So Beautiful. it's less crazy can than all learn. anywhere else. But yes. The, yeah, borders are closing, things like that. So it's kind of scary. Yes. We all handle it quite well. Hamstering Good. a little because we all have to. Yes. <laughs> we yes. have to stay home, but it's okay. I yes. had a question about uh, the people with the, the real problems already yes. having uh, big uh, challenges with the, their immune system. Yes. So can we go... Uh, a little bit into what you would uh, recommend for them in uh, just outside of the normal rules that everybody has to be able to to handle with uh, washing hands and all this but are they supposed to isolate are they supposed to really isolate like uh, staying in one room not talking to anybody not seeing anybody or can we help them the same way like giving them probiotics vitamin d vitamin c uh, yeah so let's look at the spectrum so there's mm -hmm. the people who are more at risk because they have some one of the comorbidities. We're looking at diabetes, pulmonary disease, heart disease, and the elderly as people who are having uh, who are more at risk for the more severe. We have to remember 80% to what we know and it probably higher. People are are dealing with the virus just fine. 20% yes. are having more of a problem, but I think the 
percentage of people dying is going down quickly as we know more about mm-hmm. the exposure, but it's not very high. And I want to make Actually, sure that... Can, yeah, I, can I just give yeah. you the numbers, yeah. Um, yeah. That the latest numbers here? Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. It's um, 98% of the people that actually get infected and go through um, the, the sickness, the ones that are already in the hospital, they get cured. So they get yes. back out. So. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and the numbers are going to change every minute. And again, I'm staying on top of things as I can. And I think it really depends on um, areas also. And I want to make sure that in my call to action that I will be talking about, but also in how we help people, that we're making sure to take care of our medical establishment. They are going to be overwhelmed with people who are sick. So let's not overwhelm them with people who are scared, right? So Mm -hmm. If we're helping a population, Brigitte, that's at risk, I do think it's better for them to practice social distancing. If they're sick, then yes, we have to be careful about how we are exposing ourselves to them, shoring up our immune system, making sure that there isn't as much touching or sharing of things, if at any at all. So I think we have to think about who are we talking to, just as we always do in functional nutrition. And then of course, yes, we have to think about our immune superheroes, our vitamin D. And of course, that's uh, in accordance with somebody's own immune system. I'm a fan of vitamin A in short-term higher doses if somebody is feeling sick or starting to feel sick or worried to shore up the immune system so we can do shorter bursts of higher dose vitamin A. I'm always careful about saying that because vitamin A is something that stays in the body over time. We don't need to feed it like we do vitamin D with daily dosing. So we can look at doses of even 10,000, even 50,000. I've even done higher for people in a five to seven day dose to support immunity. We do need to be thinking about probiotics and working with our probiotic rich foods. And then I'm thinking of antivirals like oregano oil and monolaurin to help us move through the fact that it's a, a viral infection. We don't want to forget all the things that we could be doing with spices and kitchen spices from ginger to garlic to curcumin, propolis, all the things, echinacea, stragalus, fire cider that has high doses of things. We'll get our posts back up on social media. All the things we would otherwise be doing to support our immune system are key here. And I'm happy to share what I'm doing to just support my immune system during this time. For those of you who feel like you're at more risk because you have an autoimmune condition or you work with a population that has autoimmunity, I recorded a podcast with Eileen Laird from the Phoenix Healing on Friday, last Friday. We're going to release it this Friday. It's the same thing. Just because we have autoimmunity doesn't mean that we, doesn't mean that our immune system are negatively compromised in this situation. And I see a question about elderberry coming up, but Brigitte, I want to see, does that help you to just think about, think about immune support, clear, calm, enhance, modulate. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. That was great. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you so much for taking your time. I know it's busy for everybody. It's important right now. Thank you.
Paula's asking, can I release the podcast earlier? It's not actually my podcast. It's Eileen's podcast. She invited me on as a guest. So I think she's in the editing process. Of course, Corey, time is good too. We have a list of herbs coming out. Vitamin C is awesome. So vitamin C in the higher dose right now, both to deal with our adrenals and the stress. So 3000 milligrams is great. Elderberry is showing to have some controversy with the virus, but that's in its extreme state. So if you already have elderberry, if you're looking to thwart a cold or a flu or the virus in itself, at this point, I don't have concern about elderberry. The concerns that are we're seeing cropping up or about later stage. Um, anything, Donna, if you have amla powder, beautiful for just support immunity. Don't get caught in the, this does this action and that does that action. I actually heard a great Instagram live this morning with Dr. Ben Lynch, where he said, think macro. We have to stop worrying about all the micro. Yes, we can think about our glutathione and our propolis and all the different things we could be doing, but we need to think macro. Think about clearing out what's not supporting your immune system, and that might be your stress. Think about calming your immune system, calming down yourself, your anxiety, the anxiety around you. What can you tap into to bring some calm? Think about enhance and modulate. Beautiful. You guys know this. Clear, calm, enhance, modulate. When we look at the inflammatory root, we need to consider that whole perspective. And that means that we have to clear the anxiety. We have to calm our systems, our nervous systems. We are likely going to be okay. And our responsibility right now is about personal liability, social liability, institutional liability. So we are recording and we will be emailing this out. So you will have all of this available to you. Beautiful. I see that people are doing all sorts of things. Rose said, I'm still suggesting sleep, get rid of the sugar. Absolutely. If we go back to our matrix, one of our prime mental models, think about those core basics, those skills on the right side of the matrix. If people are just doing that, sleep and relaxation, exercise and movement, nutrition and hydration, key, stress and resilience, relationships and networks. How do we help people to stay connected like I'm doing right now with us through all of this? Everything you guys are putting out there, garlic, beautiful, do it. It's all immune supportive. There's not one thing. We don't know enough about the virus. There's likely not going to be any targeted tier three antidote for months because we don't know enough and things have to go through trials. There are some things being discussed and uncovered. We just don't know enough, but we also have to remember that it's a virus and I just told you how it works. So our immune system is what we need to be supporting. And the virus is not more virulent than any virus we've seen before. It's just that it has a way of spreading that we weren't prepared to deal with. Beautiful, Fred. Movement, lymphatic system, all the things we can do to help our bodies. We're going to be posting on Instagram, reminding you of 15-Minute Matrix episodes. This is key. Okay, there's lots of hands up. Can we bring Christina on the line? Hey, Christina. Hi. 
Thank you so Hi. much for organizing this. Hope you're yes, well. Thank you. Um, I have like three questions, but I'm gonna. Okay. So since you mentioned in the post on the Functional Nutrition Alliance Instagram that it's more of a respiratory system virus, so it's more towards pneumonia rather than an actual flu. What would be some suggestions to support the respiratory tract or maybe some foods to avoid in, the, in that case? I'm not sure. I think we still with the respiratory system need to think about everything we help. We think about with the mucus. It's the mucus membranes that are being impacted where that crown is taking effect. So it takes place down lower, but still be thinking about the hand washing, the neti pot, doing everything mm. we can to support the whole respiratory system. Um, frankincense is great for even putting in a diffuser around to be mm -hmm. breathing in, or I like to put it on the top of my head, some frankincense. That's uh, also another way of talking about boswellia, which we can be taking as a supplement. But I would be thinking about it again, macro. What are we mm -hmm. making sure to do not to irritate the mucous membranes versus what is the targeted therapy for the lower respiratory tract. All right. So for no someone smoking, who that's right, Paulette said, and that's where we've seen the highest rates in China where there is mm. smoking. So smoking, yeah. beautiful. And people are saying diaphragmatic breath and stretches are great. Um, mm -hmm. other essential oils like lemongrass. Beautiful. There's so many things we can do. And this is the point of us coming together. There's not one thing. Do the things. Do the non-negotiables. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's see for someone who already has a virus in his body and is already under attack by that virus. Let's say the herpes virus, because I'm talking a very personal experience because my mom is under attack right now and it's an ocular version of the herpes virus. So it's in her eye. Uh, it attacked her a few days ago. I'm sure it's because of the stress and the change in weather over here. And this means that her immune system is down. And only recently did we start supporting her with things like propolis, mushroom extract, astragalus, and other things. I'm following up with her integrative nutritionist. He mentioned something that, first of all, my question is, with a person who already has a virus, would two viruses sort of empower each other if let's say she she does no, get not necessarily it's just that we need to shore up the immune system so really be thinking about the entirety of the immune support because when we think about clear calm if the immune system is already distracted whether that's because of gluten or another virus or another bacteria or cold or flu that's when we're more susceptible Yeah, that's my, my thoughts exactly. And um, he mentioned something about not giving her too much vitamin C as it could affect copper in the body. From, I'm not sure about that. I wanted to ask. In the short term, I wouldn't worry about all those things. Just shore up mm. the immune system. Really, if we get too into the micro right now, we're going to be, we're going to have our hands tied. Like we just don't yeah. know what to do. So shore up the immune system. I'm going to give my whole list of immune supportive nutrients and you guys are all like popping in with tons of them. <laughs> They're all good. They're all good. Don't worry about which ones you're using. So I'm going to talk about the nutrients, but of course, remember the core basics are key. So um, Christina, if there's worry about the virus mm. and what's going to happen, that's actually counter to the vitamin C. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. The stress than I am about the copper. Like at this point, 
just, we have to help people mm. to fill in the core basics for how we care for ourselves and each other. Yeah. If they have You're vitamin right. C on, on hand, use the vitamin C. Like that's where <laughs> we have to sit in this. Yeah. We're in yeah. a short sure. term. Yeah, this is mm. a this is a self-limiting virus. It doesn't mm. last very long in the body or outside. So if we can contain it by all shoring up our immune systems with whatever techniques you each want to use, if you use essential oils, if you have vitamin C in your cupboard, go for it. Support your immune mm. system. You're right. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Christina. Yeah. So we have to remember anti-inflammatory diet. We have to remember, I'm just going to share with you. We know like, don't touch your face, wash your hands. Stress management is key. And we have three uh, podcast roundups that we're going to share with you. One of our favorites is number 120 mapping the sympathetic nervous system, because of course, we now want to be in our parasympathetic. But remember meditation, remember what stress does to the immune system. Remember, if you're not feeling sick to get outside, get in nature. Sleep, as so many of you said, is key. We have to remember an anti-inflammatory diet. I don't know, all the shelves are empty in the grocery store, but the produce section is completely full. So help people get out there and get their hands on the phytonutrients that are going to serve them. It's not all about the supplements. But of course, if we can be cooking with spices like garlic and ginger, and there's so many more, we'll have a whole list of all the gene-supportive uh, herbs that you could be using, your kitchen herbs and spices, your ferments, your vitamin A, your turmeric, make sure people are hydrated. So what can we do for the lungs and for the whole respiratory tract? We can make sure that we are hydrating and moving things through. We have to clear, and that means we're peeing and we're pooping, right? We have to think about these things. We have to think about bone broth. And of course, like I said, vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin C, NAC, quercetin, zinc, those are our key nutrients. So we'll be writing about each of those on the Instagram page, but whatever somebody has on hand, if you know you or somebody you know and love or you are working with is low in vitamin D, make sure you're getting enough vitamin D right now. I tend to be high in vitamin D, so I'm not taking my regular dose, but I am slightly dosing, right? I am not taking vitamin A because I didn't have any on hand. I am continuing with my vitamin C regimen, and I do take 3,000 milligrams a day. So I am continuing with my vitamin C regimen. I am continuing with my NAC regimen. I do NAC daily, and I'm still doing that now. I added quercetin and nettles to my regime. I, of course, am taking my probiotics, eating my prebiotics. I don't tend to be deficient in zinc, so I'm not adding zinc. So those are the kind of things I'm thinking through. What are those nutrients? Of course, when we are thinking about those botanicals, like I said, garlic, ginger, turmeric, but of course, anise, basil, black pepper, caraway, cardamom, chili peppers, cinnamon, there's so many. Just start and encourage others to be using their kitchen spices. And if they are getting out, to go get more of those. I'm being really careful at the food co-op with the uh, bins right now. So I am tending towards buying it if it's more packaged, but I have a good kitchen herb rack. So 
encourage people to use those as much as they can. As I said, oregano oil, I'm taking it internally. If you have that on hand, great antiviral. And you can, for the kids, if you're concerned, put the oil on the bottoms of their feet. Monolaurin is great to include. You can eat coconut oil right now, help people eat more fat bombs if they don't have the supplement on hand. We really need to think about how we just amplify the diet, 2.0 it. Elderberry we talked about, propolis, bee pollen, also raw honey, so turmeric tea, a golden milk with some raw honey, really beneficial, and some coconut milk right now. All of these things, where do we 2.0 everything we put in our mouths? Echinacea and astragalus, great immune-supportive herbs. I don't take them myself because of the nature of my autoimmunity, so I'm careful there. Cordyceps and chaga mushrooms are supposed to be one of the best right now. Again, we will be writing about this. Fire cider, if you can buy some, go for it. Otherwise, we'll have a recipe where you can make one. Frankincense, I did talk about the essential oil. That's what I was talking about. These are all in our toolboxes, and you guys are going to have so much more. So get on that Instagram, get on the Facebook, share your ideas with each other. These are the things that I'm sharing with you that are in my toolbox personally and professionally, but I'm sure we all know about other ones and there are so many people talking about these things. What I want us to do is talk through our paradigm. This is what I want to talk about in terms of a call to action. And I know there are tons of questions. If I don't get to your question, you can put it in the chat. I'm going to make sure on the Instagram that we continue to answer questions, that I do little Instagram stories, that if we need to, we have another um, Q&A. So if I don't get to your question, and I'm guessing I won't because there's a lot of hands up, that uh, we have other ways to get to it. And I, I just want to calm us down from the, all the online noise and bring us back to our mental model. Let me know that you understand, first of all, circle of control, the circle of influence, and the circle of concern. Please let me know by saying, got it, in the chat, that you can leave our time today and say, where can I sit in my circle of influence? Beautiful. So circle of influence, think about it for yourself and think about it for everybody you touch. This is how I'm talking to my mom. It's how I'm talking to my son. It's how I'm talking to my boyfriend. It's how I'm talking to you. It's how I'm talking to myself. Sit in your circle of influence. When you do, your circle of influence actually expands. When you sit in your circle of concern, your circle of influence narrows because you can't do anything with the things that you're concerned about. You can do things with what you can influence. This is your circle of influence. Inside would be the circle of control. The more you sit in your circle of influence, the more you expand your influence, the more you sit in your circle of concern, the more you retract your influence. And it's Stephen Covey's circle of concern and circle of influence. So let's all sit there and then 
our circle of influence is really about our mental models that we learned or are learning inside of FBS and FNLP. Think about your functional nutrition matrix. What is it that we need to focus on on the right side of the matrix, knowing that that impacts everything else, right? How do we bring it back to our circle of influence? Do this and you will influence everything else. How do we think through the non-negotiables? We're all worried about doses of supplements and what we read and elderberry. Yes, no. What about sugar and sleep and pooping and gluten? Come back to where we have the most influence. It's not about the supplements we take. Those are supportive. It's more about coming back to the influence we really have, no matter what happens, even if there's nothing left in the store. Good thing fruits and vegetables were still growing, right? But even if there's nothing left and we have to totally rely on what nature, Mother Nature has given us, we still come back to what we can do to serve ourselves. Imagine the stress that people are going through right now and what they're eating and how they're not moving because they're not going to the gym. Come back because that's not helping us as a society. We have a social responsibility, and I'm gonna say an institutional liability. Our next mental model is the three roots, many branches. COVID-19 is a branch. We have to think about how to shore up everybody's roots and remember the factors that influence every single root. The genes are influenced by food, movement, environment, and mindset. Focus with people there. Digestion is, of course, mechanical, chemical, structural, and microbial. So important right now. And our inflammation is supported, and this is most important right now, by clearing, calming, enhancing, and modulating. So what we do is go into the center of those roots and think about the mindset, the microbial terrain, and the inflammatory modulation. Sit there, make your lists, all the things you can think about, but the more important conversations we have are about about the core basics, about how we live our lives, about how we support each other. And what I really also want to remind us to do in my call to action is help the medical practitioners who are equipped to work with acute care situations and are going to be overwhelmed. This is a time, this is an acute situation in which the need for your work is more highlighted than ever before. So the need for the work that we do filling the gap is more important than ever before because the other people that are there to deal with dismantling the dysfunction are going to be focused dismantling the dysfunction. In fact, they are at more risk of getting sick. There is not enough uh, of the resources that they need, whether they're gloves or masks or ventilators for them we can get in there and talk to our communities. This is the time for us to get out there and do the work that is most important for us to do. This is the time for us to fill the gaps, calm the anxiety, make sure that people are not unnecessarily burdening the medical practitioners when we can help them. 
we can help people develop the resilience to be able to fight the virus with everything that we already know how to do. And it is our responsibility to talk to the people that we serve through this lens to help to calm, but also uplift and empower. And I'm hopeful that the information I'm sharing with you today, that using mental models, like sitting in your seat of influence versus your seat of control or your circle of control, that thinking through the core basics that thinking about the non-negotiables, that thinking about the three roots gives you a way in to talk to yourself, to talk to your family, to talk to your community, and to calm everybody down so that we can work together as a population, as a community, to make sure this doesn't spread. That's what this is all about right now. It's about controlling the spread of something that we don't know less than it is about us making sure that we don't all don't get sick and die. Ultimately, you know, that is a result, but not one that anybody seems to be fearful about right now. It's about control and containment. So I really just want to empower each of you to go there. So I'm going to ask you to put your hands down or Kate, if you could put your hands down and really just, uh, let a few questions go up. So hands down, a few questions come up that are more related to what I'm talking about now, not how much quercetin or nettles that just go with the bottle right now. We don't need to worry about this. We need to be thinking more macro, more global. So um, I'd love to hear from Bob. I haven't heard from you, Bob, in a long time. Let's bring Bob on the line. And um, Bob, so good to see you here. Hey, Bob. Yes. Hi, Andrea. Hi. Catch up with you again. I know. So good to see you here. Yes. So I'm I'm enjoying this. I love it. Um, But what I I work with a lot of nurses um, because my my daughter-in-law is a nurse. Uh, in, labor and deli- in labor and delivery. So I have a lot of those clients coming to me. And of course, they're on the front lines. And so they're wondering about, hey, should, how about nebulizing uh, oxygen, you know, because um, there's that stabilized oxygen and stuff like that. And, you know, so that they can like come in and take a, some nebulized oxygen in between their rounds, or it, would that even be of any benefit? So I'm just trying to come up with, you know, of course, the whole supporting of the immune system, which they know about, but they just want to yeah. know in the interim, when they're in the front lines, you know, would something like nebulizing oxygen be of any benefit? Uh, The truth is, I don't know the answer. And I see people writing about other people who have had great articles. Uh, There's a ton of great articles out there right now. I haven't seen any that talk about nebulizing oxygen. And I can probably believe that a lot of the nurses don't know all they can be doing to support their immune system. So I'm glad they have you, Bob. But I don't know the answer there, if that's helpful or not. I have been listening to a lot of infectious disease specialists who have actually been in the lines of fire with Ebola and other disease states and how they've developed the antibodies and worked against it and what they're doing protectively right now. And it comes back to a lot of the basics. So I definitely encourage all of us to tune into the articles that we think are important. Honestly, I see all of them saying mostly the same things, which is about isolating where we can in these situations we can't 
making sure that we're clean. It doesn't transmit very well through the air, Bob, unless the droplets, it's transmitting through droplets. So unless the droplets are on something they're touching, and I would say go back in and focus on internal immunity as opposed to a tier three tactic. But I don't know if that helps or not. No, well, no, thank you. Yeah, that was, yeah. you know, we, they do know it's about the droplets. And of course, you know, being on the front lines, there's droplets you know, everywhere. So yes, yeah. exactly. And that means like it for them, they need the masks, they need the gloves, they need to be protecting their mucous membranes from that exposure. And that's, I think, our best our best bet. I don't know what we do to help. If we're worried about exposure, then what without some sort of, I mean, I think the hope is, Bob, that we're developing the antibodies, right? If we have exposure that we have the antibodies. Lisa is saying goggles, very true. If you are nurses, I see some of you here. I know some nurses are not treating patients that are infected if they don't have to go into that area. Let's say they're a diabetes nurse, maybe not treating those patients directly, but being in communication with the other nurses. How do we protect each other? So I hope that helps, Bob. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to take one more question, and I'm going to take that from Hannah. Hey, Hannah. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for doing this today. This is great. Yeah, Um, you're welcome. I have a lot of of friends here that are, you know, have a lot of anxieties about it, um, as I think a lot of us do. And one of the questions that I had, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer it, but as far as children... Can children actually be carriers and actually not show any signs? I think the part of what's hard about this right now, as I understand it, is that we don't know. So the idea and the thinking is that children and healthy young people, like I said, my son Gilbert's being sent home from college. All colleges are closing. There has only been, I believe, one college kid that's been infected through all the infections that have happened that's been uh, said to have it. So I think the thinking is that they can, which is why we are taking these protective measures. And um, there is a great article, I think Margie said so, by Elisa Song, who's a pediatrician that I had up this morning where she goes over everything for kids. It's basically everything we know and we're talking about. But one of the reasons that we are shutting things down and practicing social isolation and quarantinism is because we just don't know. Can the kids, can the healthy young adults be fine dealing with it in their own bodies, but carrying it to others. So we're saying, while we don't know, let's keep them contained. Megan was just saying a bunch of parents around her were trying to get together and figure out uh, sharing care as a community. And that's probably not the best idea right now because we want to make sure that we're not spreading during at least the next couple weeks while we're learning more. Okay, great. Thank you. What was the yeah. name of the article again you said? Elisa? It's a Elisa, Dr. Elisa Song. Um, and Margie, if you have it, if you're still here and you can post it, I don't think I have it up anymore. Otherwise, I would post it. I looked at it this morning. But Dr. Elisa Song, she's a friend of mine and she is a 
uh, integrative functional pediatrician in the Bay Area. And she wrote one of those you know, long articles. It's Healthy Kids, Happy Kids is her, um, is her site. And I did look at it this morning. Again, I think we all know the same things at this point. Everybody's just putting out long articles with all the same information. And my call to action is really that we start to look at how we think into the core basics and bring everybody more into a state of calm. But definitely read her article. She's brilliant and a good one to follow for the mamas. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. So let me just look quickly. Uh, There's lots about drinking hot liquids. That's a great thing to do. Broth is good. I just wrote something for our Instagram last night on hot liquids. Let's stay in touch. Please do. We will capture all the conversations that are from here. So if you have a question, put it in the chat. I'll make sure we get the questions from the Q&A. If necessary, depending on where this goes, if this is of interest to you to um, have more conversations, come together as a community, please let me know. And we will continue to be here for you so that you could be here for all the people that you can serve and you do serve. And I'm so grateful to be part of this amazing community with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep getting out there and help people understand where they can influence their outcomes and the outcomes of all around us. Bye now. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, sound production by Rowan Bradley. Welcome to the team, Rowan. We're excited to have you. And additional support from Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We'll be sure to drop into your inbox with a short reminder that a new episode is ready for you. You also have an open invitation to email us. We want to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15 Minute Matrix. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. And before I go, please do remember to sit in your circle of influence. I'm confident we can make a big difference if we all commit to doing this. And we also want to know what's on your mind. Feel free to write us at support at fxnutrition.com.